Thank you for coming to the podcast. If you play a high-impact sport or a team sport, or if you're a youth and play a youth sport, you're going to want to head on over to SISUGuard.com and check out Sisu Mouthguards. Let me tell you a little something about Sisu Mouthguards. They're perforated, so they oscillate on impact to diffuse energy. They're 1.6 millimeters thin, and they have a crumple zone. What's a crumple zone, you might ask? It absorbs impact forces, and they're custom fit to fit your mouth, so you can talk, breathe, and drink while playing your sport or activity. Head on over to SISUGuard.com. Sisu Mouthguard brings you episode 26 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Are rolling. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast, episode 26, a very special episode because this is about one thing and one thing only, UFC 200. We are breaking it down. We are previewing it. And, you know, this is one of those episodes, Gumby, where we don't even have an interview. Yeah. We're not really even going to talk about anything else but UFC 200. Yeah, and we've even got an interview on standby that we could have used for this show. We're going to push it to next week because we want to give our sole focus to UFC 200. We, of course, can't thank you enough for getting us in your eardrums. We are available on TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever a podcast is being streamed. I failed to mention it before. I am David Tremonti. I'm just so hyped up, and I'm joined by Daniel Gumby Vreeland, the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com. It's like the biggest fight card in history. You should be pumped up. (laughs) The mothership, MMA-Manifesto.com, is is where you can find us. We live on the podcast tab. You can email us, topturtlemma at gmail.com. Give the show a follow at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter, and you can catch Gumby at Gumby Vreeland, V R E E L A N D, on Twitter. It's Dutch. Did I get everything out of the way? That's everything. All right, so we've gotten a couple pieces of fan mail here, and what the fans have said is we uh, just get to the point. You know, we're not about our lives. We don't talk about our day. We don't try to make bad jokes. Okay, I, I haven't on... talked about your hair once on this show. I don't have any hair. Yeah, that might be why, but, like, I'm just going to say I've never done that. And I, of course, do try to make bad jokes, but the point is we are a straight MMA podcast, no chaser. We try to just get to the point, and if there was ever a week to just get to the point, it's this one. It's UFC 200. So let's do it. Let's do it. It's headlined by... To me, honestly, I know you could bring up Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. I think the two best fighters walking around today, uh, you have John Jones, the interim champion, but in my mind, the real light heavyweight champion, fighting Daniel Cormier, uh, the light heavyweight champion. Of course, Cormier got the belt when John Jones got in a little bit of uh, legal trouble last year. He beat Anthony Rumble Johnson for the the title and then defended it against uh, Alexander Gustafsson, uh, one via five-round split decision back in October. Uh, so he is 2-1 and one in his last three. His last loss coming to John Jones back at UFC 182 in January of 2015. That was a five-round uh, decision win. John Jones, on the other hand, uh, came back this past April, looked a little sluggish, maybe a little trigger shy against Ovin St. Pru. He said he was uh, playing it safe. One via five round decision feels like five round decision is John Jones uh, most favorite path to victory these past few years beat Daniel Cormier via five round decision back in January of 2015 already mentioned it and beat Glover Teixeira via five round decision in April of 2014. He of course has never really lost the one loss on his record is via disqualification (laughs) to Matt Hamill Hamill. (laughs) thanks Steve Mazzagatti. Um, but again, he's only fought now, uh, once in the past year and a half and he's back to reclaim his belt. 
Who you got? All right, so this one's tough. I mean, obviously you could you could say the fight is just going to go exactly like it did last time, but I, I think DC's probably uh, tried to fix a lot of those things. I mean, he got out-wrestled by a guy with tons less wrestling experience than him, um, and I'm assuming he probably went in it thinking John Jones wasn't going to wrestle him. Uh, so I think he's probably back to the basics. He's back to doing what he should do rather than worrying about what John Jones is going to do because John Jones is – absolutely 100% unpredictable. All right, go ahead. He, he's like GSP to me. Like, every single time he steps into the cage, he does something you're not expecting him to. I mean, like, I just always remember GSP when he fought Koscheck. Everybody was like, well, he's not going to want to stand and trade with Koscheck because this is the wrong guy to stand and trade with. And he stood and trade with him, and he jabbed Koscheck's face so much that he broke Koscheck's orbital bone. Um, and to me, John Jones is just another one of those transcendent fighters who... Every single time he steps in, there's something different there. And and for that reason, I think he beats Daniel Cormier. I How? Think he's he's going to beat him. Uh, I, I'm going to say he doesn't finish him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just I, Cor- Cormier is just too too tough. Jones, uh, I mean, I think he's He doesn't pro- have power. You don't think Jones has power? No. Oh, I kind of disagree on that one. What, I mean, like, How does John Jones have power? I mean, so back when he used to just unleash... He used to knock people out. I mean, like, remember what he did to Shogun? Sure. I mean, he turned I mean, Shogun into mush for the title. Well, uh, first of all, he choked out Shogun. And sh- no, no, he uh, choked out Machida. Machida, yeah, yeah you're right, He knocked right. out Shogun. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, we haven't seen that. He hasn't finished someone with a punch since Shogun. But I'm pretty sure that's... Five years ago. I'm going to go on record saying that's not because he doesn't have power. It's because he chooses when to use it now. He's less reckless than he was when he fought. When he fought Shogun, he was like, there's nothing to lose here. I'm going to unload everything on this guy. And if he hits me in the counter, he hits me in the counter. He doesn't do that anymore. He's way too cerebral. And I think that's how he beats Daniel Cormier, by doing the thing that Daniel Cormier doesn't expect him to do. And I'm not sure what that is because he's smarter than me as far as cage experience. I mean, like, you think about the way that he plans out a fight with Jackson. Um it, it's just always unexpected, and I think there's some kind of wrinkle in it this time that's unexpected that still finds a way to beat Cormier. He actually did have a TKO over Chel Sonnen, but I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I again, don't... Machida, Sonnen, who, uh, I mean, these are all guys to me, like, you know, they were light heavyweight, sure, but maybe... In, in retrospect, they're, they're smaller. that crappy, though. But you know what I mean? Like, when he beat... Shogun. I, Shogun was the best I, in the world. I, I'm not here to argue with yeah. you of John Jones' accomplishments. I've said on the show, I think John Jones is the best fighter ever. I take him over I, Fedor. I take him. I think his I strength of schedule, I think the un- people unmatched. he's beaten is unmatched. Former champions, Quinton Jackson, Leota Machida, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, uh, you know, and then even the Gustafsson fight when he apparently didn't train. So I'm not here to argue that. This is my point. I'm actually picking Daniel Cormier in this fight. I think Cormier has turned some sort of corner. I thought there were a lot of, I hate to take this here, I thought there were a lot of mental blocks to his first fight with John Jones. I think he put too much pressure on himself. This was everything to me. I didn't make the Olympic gold medal. This is what my whole life boils down to. Then he's crying in the back with Cain Velasquez hugging him after he lost. I think when Jones got in his legal trouble and then he beat Rumble Johnson, which, by the way, he took a hell of a shot from Rumble Johnson, survived, grinded out the win, got the choke in the third round. And then even with Gustafsson, I think Gustafsson hit him with a knee. This man is very tough to finish. And I just don't think of Jones as someone with finishing power anymore. You know, some of those rounds were close against Jones. I think Jones won four out of five 
right, if I'm not mistaken? If I remember right, I think when I was watching, I gave them five out of five. They might have given them four out of five, but me remembering right, I, I want to say I, I thought Jones won everything. I didn't think Jones I, lost a damn. I, I don't think he won five. I think he won I, I think he won four let's, out let's of five, but it was close. Uh, yeah, he. everyone gave – two judges gave DC the second round. One judge gave DC the third round. Okay, so it was 49-46 on every card? It was 49-46 on every okay. card. So so four to one. And if you go by the – I'm on MMADecisions.com, which is a great site. Um, you had – 11 members of the media gave it 49-46 to Jones, and you had a couple who gave it 48-47 to Jones. So they're just hopeful dudes. Yeah. But (laughs) my point being is I think Cormier's turned a corner. Um, I think he'll be smarter in this fight as well. I think John Jones is the greatest of all time, but you know what? I'll still think he's the greatest of all time if he has an off night. I didn't think he looked particularly great against Ovin St. Pru. I get it. Short notice fight. His first fight back. Maybe he was adjusting to all the weight he put on and energy output, as Conor McGregor would say. I just don't think it's crazy to say Cormier could pull this off. I don't don't think it is either, but that, that actually you just asked the question that I was going to ask. Draw me a path to victory for Daniel Cormier. Like, okay, so you say you, you think he's going to win more rounds because you don't think this, there's going to be a finish in this fight, right? Correct. Well, that's what I was going right, to say. There's no finish. So three, if there's no three, finish, three out of how five. does he win three, three out rounds? of five? I, don't, I, how? I just can't see him, like, taking Jones down enough to win three rounds, and I certainly can't see him blasting him on the feet for enough to win three rounds. I think some. I think I want to go back and watch that fight, and I should have done it before this preview, but I do feel like maybe he won two of those rounds, or they were close enough. I don't know. I'm just telling you that I think Cormier could steal three out of five rounds. Yeah, I, I think he could steal more than I'm ready to admit, but I don't think three is, is in his his range for this time um but again i think it's the best matchup um when you have these two guys you i mean know, they're the two best light heavyweights in the world in the and, world and, and you can't usually say that about title fights anymore i feel like it Cor- seems like there's the best in the world versus another guy cormier is has one loss on his record and it's to john jones yeah. john jones has one loss on his record and, and it's bullshit DST. they literally have one loss between the two of them in, uh, let's see, Jones has fought 23 times and Cormier has fought 18. So out of 41 fights. There's one loss. There's one loss. Yeah. And that's amazing. So anyway, that's your main event. Uh, if you want to go into Vegas, maybe, you know, get a little wacky, play some uh, play some money on it. You have Cormier, the plus 260 dog. And that's a lot for, for Cormier, too. And you were saying you pick him. I mean, if, if you're looking at odds type stuff. 260 is a, a good price for, for, for Cormier. Cormier. Uh, and Jones, if you're real bullish on him, he's a minus 316 because John Jones said so. Favorite. Um, all right. The co-main event, and this is a wacky one, okay? It's uh, it's a guy by the name of Mark Hunt, the Super Samoan. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. And he's going to be facing um, this guy called Brock Lesnar. Don't know if you ever heard of him. Uh, maybe he's famous in another arena outside the UFC. I think they call it world wrestling entertainment. Of course, Brock Lesnar, the former UFC champion, uh, he was an all American collegiate wrestler came to the UFC back in 2008, um, and ended up with the title. Uh, you know, this is a man who beat Randy Couture, the legend, obviously much bigger than Randy Couture beat him for the heavyweight title. 
um, had a very disputed loss to Frank Mir in his uh, UFC debut, uh, but avenged that loss at UFC 100, the biggest pay-per-view buy rate of all time. Beat UFC Shane... 100. And here we are, 100 cards later. Or actually, really, like, 98 cards later, right? Because two got canceled. Well, 98 pay-per-view cards later. you got to remember there's, like, 700 small shows in there, too. Uh, of course. This is, uh, like, the UFC's, like, 450th show. <laughs> uh, Brock Lesnar is on a two-fight losing streak. If you want to go back five years, lost to Cain Velasquez when Cain won the title for the first time back in October of 2010, and then he lost, Brock did, to Alistair Overeem in December of 2011, and then uh, left the UFC. He had diverticulitis um, and went back to WWE. He has beaten diverticulitis. He cited it as the reason for why he wanted to come back now that he is fully healthy. And uh, the UFC said, okay, awesome. We would love to have you back. I think they paid off WWE some ungodly amount of money to get him out of that contract for this one-time fight. And then they said, you know what? We're going to give you Mark Hunt. Happy birthday. Mark Hunt is coming off a KO, I know, shocker, over Frank Mir in the first round back in March. Walk-off, right? (laughs) Walk-off. Beat uh, Bigfoot Silva back in November of 2015 via TKO in the first round. And lost to Stipe via TKO back in May of 2015, so he is 2-1 in his last three. He is a knockout artist. This is the classic striker versus grappler. Who you got? So I'm, I'm going to go with a very unpopular, maybe even a little unexpected opinion here. I, I'm going with Brock Lesnar. Why? Uh, because a couple of different reasons. Number one, uh, I think that with his explosive power, he gets Mark Hunt down in a way where Mark Hunt can't get up. Mark Hunt has been taken down by a lot of people, uh, he, he, but he's gotten better at stopping the takedown. This is Brock Lesnar we're talking about. As long as he doesn't hit Brock Lesnar with an uppercut on that first one, I really don't think he's going to get up from underneath Brock Lesnar. And if Brock was smart, he'd shoot you know half a second into the fight. Sprint across the cage, freaking double leg him as hard as possible and stay on top. The other thing that makes me want to pick Brock Lesnar right now is his new focus in jiu-jitsu. Uh, recent, he's a blue belt. Yeah, recently it came out that he's got his blue belt. He's been training in a gi. He's been working on jiu-jitsu that way. Uh, and to me, that's really impressive. And that shows like kind of a new leaf of Brock Lesnar there that that's the kind of stuff he's thinking about. Now, I'm not expecting him to freaking omoplata Mark Hunt. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see a rear naked or an arm triangle or something uh, pretty heavy like that. So, you know what? I'm going to go Brock Lesnar and get this. I think I'm going to go Brock Lesnar submission. Okay. Uh, and if you go into the, the – and this is for all of you you crazy gamblers out there. Now, don't mess with my odds by everybody laying this down. But I bet you if you went into most of those betting uh, books bookmakers and you found Brock Lesnar by sub as an option – I bet you you'd get it at like four to one. Uh, I think you'd get it at like six or eight to one. Yeah, and that would, I mean, to me, with that possibility out there, it's not like Mark Hunt's submission defense isn't crazy. It's certainly worth a thought, at least. Um, So Mark Hunt, um, he has uh, six losses via submission, as you mentioned. I think you outlined a good path for Brock Lesnar. I fully expect the game plan to be a double leg from the second they say, let's get it on. Um, You know, I think he's just going to try to take him down. That being said, Mark Hunt, not easy to take down. 
I'm sure Brock saw the Stipe Miocic fight where Miocic kind of laid the ground game, or I'm sorry, laid the playbook down for how to beat Hunt, which is to take him down and ground and pound him. Uh, took him about three rounds to do it, actually. Or no, sorry, took him five rounds to finally get the TKO. Tough fight to watch. Stipe just grinded out the win with a lot of wrestling. But you go through Mark Hunt, I mean, dating back even to 2011 Ben Rothwell, Ben Rothwell got two takedowns. Czech Congo, zero. Stefan Struve, zero takedowns. Junior Dos Santos got a takedown against him. Antonio Silva, zero in a five-round fight. Uh, Hoy Nelson got one takedown. Fabricio Verdum, none. Stipe got six. Uh, Bigfoot and Frank Mir both got zero. But, but here's my question about those two. So I definitely agree with that. How many of those guys are, like, threatening wrestlers? I mean, like, so you look at Verdum. Verdum didn't have any – Verdum in that fight – went completely to his Muay Thai game. You look at Stefan Struve. Stefan Struve going to take you down? No, Stefan Struve's not going to take you down. Dos Santos want to take you down? No, Dos Santos doesn't want to take you down. If you looked at his fight with Bigfoot, his fight with Bigfoot was just him and Bigfoot throwing gloves for five rounds. I mean, like, yeah, there aren't a lot of takedown numbers there, too, but there aren't a lot of wrestlers either. No, that's a great point. I just think, actually, you know, Brock Lesnar won fight, zero fights, actually, in the past five years. This will be his first fight in five years. I I think he would have to get that sub relatively quick within the first round, round and a half. I think Mark Hunt is actually, even though I know he looks fatter. Oh, he's got great freaking endurance. I, I think Mark Hunt is in better fighting shape than Brock Lesnar. And I just can't see Lesnar holding him down for three full rounds. I think Hunt, even if Lesnar won the first two rounds, the uppercut from Hunt is still live always, in the third round. He's always got knockout power. So I'm picking Mark Hunt in this. If you want to go to Vegas, um, you can get Hunt as a um oh geez i apologize to my loyal listeners because my uh my okay here we go we're back uh mark hunt the minus 160 favorite and you get brock as a plus 140 dog so not really great odds either way if no that's a fight i i tend to stay away from like i said unless you get one of those prop bets right um and then we move to the uh you know i don't necessarily know what the third fight from the top is. You have two title fights here. Let, let's actually, go, let's go with, with the Tate one. It is the, actually, I just realized it is the Tate one because Aldo versus Edgar it's is interim, interim um, yeah. for right now, at least. So, um, you have a very exciting fight at women's bantamweight, uh, Misha Tate, the newly crowned champion. She beat Holly home, uh, back in March at the Connor versus Nate, uh, pay-per-view UFC 196. Misha beat Holly Holm with a rear naked choke in the fifth round. Oh, so dramatic. Uh, very happy for Misha. Uh, obviously, she's one of those veterans that's kind of been like a, you know, a, made a career out of grinding it's out like, fights. Yeah, it's like Michael Bisping-esque, too, with her getting the win. It just seemed like it was, like, long overdue great for her to get a shot. Great comparison. Since losing to Ronda Rousey back in December of 2013, Misha Tate reeled off five wins in a row, even spoke about retirement in there when it felt like she wasn't going to get the title, finally a title shot, finally gets the title shot, makes the most of it. She's the new uh, women's bantamweight champion, and I feel like she's really improved during this five-fight win streak. She will be defending against Amanda Nunes, who is on a three-fight win streak, beat Valentina Shevanko uh, at the same UFC 196 back in March, the same card that Tate won her title, beat Sarah McMahon before that via rear naked choke, and beat Shayna Baszler via TKO, uh, lost to Katzengano back at UFC 178 in September of 2014, though she was winning that fight, or she won the first round, I should say. So she is 3-1 and one in her last four. 
What are you thinking? Uh, I, I think this is a tailor-made fight for Tate, to be honest with you. I mean, just way, way better cardio, way, way better work uh, work rate. Um, you know, could, could Nunes win here in the boxing? Maybe. Do I expect her to win on the ground? No. There's just, like, not a lot of good ways for Nunes to win this. And to me, it also feels like maybe it's just I don't feel the hype for this fight either. Just because, to me, Nunes... It's like the third best option of people for for Tate to fight right now, right? right? Rousey, home. Ra- you want Katzengano, Ra- who yeah, has a win over Tate. Yeah, so maybe she's even the fourth best. So I I don't know. To me, uh, some of the luster's gone there. Where I just honestly don't believe Nunez is a top. I mean, she's maybe fifth in the division. I, best I'm, case scenario. I'm 100% with you. I like her. I don't like her as a top of the division like champion. I think she almost becomes the gatekeeper after this. Uh, I'm picking Tate as well, and I'll tell you why. It's because I think Nunez, her best chance to win is like a first-round knockout. She tires out. Valentina Shevanko won the third round of the fight that actually propelled her into the in, title And who's fight. got a better... Gas tank. Better gas tank than Misha Tay. I don't know that there is a, a woman out there who does. Yeah. Uh, this is, to me, this is Misha Tate all day. She is the minus 270 favorite. Amanda Nunes, the plus 230 dog. Um, and that is third from the top because this card is just that stacked. Um, going uh, to what will be the second fight on pay-per-view. For the interim featherweight title, because no one knows what the fuck is going on with Conor McGregor, and if he ever wants to cut down to 145 again, you have the former champion Jose Aldo taking on Frankie Edgar, the former title challenger. These two fought once before back in February of 2013. Jose Aldo got the unanimous decision win. Edgar, however, is on a five-fight win streak since that loss to Jose Aldo. Beachad Mendez via KO punch in the first round back in December. Uh, unanimous decision win over Uriah Faber last May and going back all the way to November of 2014. Beat Cub Swanson with four seconds left in a five-round fight. Got uh, the submission with four seconds to go in that fight. Very cool to see. Uh, of course, has a win over BJ Penn in this five-fight win streak and Charles Oliveira. The weirdest BJ Penn fight in record. <laughs> um, so weird to say, but Jose Aldo is coming off a loss in nine seconds to, or 13 seconds to Conor McGregor back at UFC 194 in December. He beat Chad Mendez before that in October of 2014 and beat Ricardo Lamas before that in February of 2014. Uh, so he is two and one in his last three not very active over the last two years um what are you thinking on this one you know uh you know when i was trying to think about what is different from the last time they fought because it's another one of those fights where if you think about it just like cormier jones is there anything different and i'm gonna say yes i think that first of all aldo has shown that his chin it can be tested I mean, Conor McGregor showed a good counterpunch can put this dude out. And, you know, Aldo had never shown that. And Frankie Edgar's boxing has gone from just high work rate pitter-patter to violence. You know, like he went from being the kind of guy who, uh, you know, with the exception of when he knocked out Gray Maynard in their second fight, he was not the type of guy to finish a lot of people with his fists. Now he seems like, especially after that Mendez fight, that that's a very real possibility. And I think he gets the win here over Aldo, especially because I know that that carrot dangling in front of him is unification fight at MSG. And that's, I mean, 
a huge carrot for him. I mean, I, that's a fight that he wants. I agree a thousand percent. I actually think you're going to have something very similar where I think uh, Connor broke Chad Mendez's jaw in July of 2015, and then Frankie got to reap the rewards of that four months later. Uh, tap Chad Mendez on the joy, a jaw and got the win. And I think you're going to see the same exact thing. I think Connor McGregor broke Jose Aldo's jaw back in December of 2015. And now here we are four, five, six months later. And Frankie Edgar is going to get the sloppy seconds in a good way. And he's going to break uh, Jose Aldo's jaw as well. And then you're going to get uh, Frankie versus Connor at MSG. <sighs> Um, something very... do 10 million buys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, did I mention this? I get hit in that a lot. Frankie, the minus 120 uh, favorite to Jose, uh, plus 100, hmm. minus 105. I'm a little bit surprised Frankie's coming in as a favorite. It's got to be that Mendez fight that did that. A lot of money coming in on him as a result. Yeah. Um, and then kicking off the pay-per-view, a heavyweight super fight, if you will. You have the former champion, oft-injured Cain Velasquez, and Daniel Cormier, uh, training partner, of course, will be fighting uh, Travis Brown. You might know him as Ronda Rousey's current boyfriend. Brown is coming off a win over Matt Mitrione uh, back in January in Boston. Uh, that was a TKO in the third round after some vicious eye pokes. Uh, Matt Mitrione did try to dispute that decision to the commission. It was uh, it was upheld. Uh, before that, he lost in a wild slugfested Travis Brown to Andre Arlovsky back in May of 2015. TKO in the first round. If you haven't seen that fight, what are you doing? Watch it. Uh, and he beat Brendan Schaub. Uh, back in December of 2014 with the TKO in the first round. So uh, Travis Brown, the big Hawaiian, is 2-1 and one in his last three. Cain Velasquez is coming off losing his heavyweight title to Fabricio Verdum down in Mexico in June of 2015, so it'll be over a year since he last fought. That was to a guillotine choke in the third round. The cardio machine, Cain Velasquez, gassed out. Very weird to see. Uh, the loss blamed on the elevation of Mexico City. Before that, he beat Junior Dos Santos, uh, his longtime rival, via TKO in the fifth round. That was in October of 2013, and beat Bigfoot Silva back in May of 2013. So he is 2-1 in his last three. Who you got? Uh, for me, when I think about this fight, it's so crazy to me that I keep hearing people say, you know, I really like Travis Brown in this fight. And not that Travis Brown isn't a killer. Wasn't I the only person who said no, that to you? No, I've actually that heard that from people? two other friends recently. Okay. Be like, man, Travis Brown, this could be a big fight for him. And I agree. It could be a big fight for him. But I don't know why people are so ready to just call Kane's career a career after getting tapped out once. I mean, like, yeah, he lost to Fabrizio Verdum, who was a killer. He was on a great... Great war path at the time. At his, elevation, at too. At elevation, his submission C skills level were Kane. On Remember C level Kane? C that was level. a big internet thing for a while. C level Kane. But no, Kane Velasquez, I mean, is a monster. I mean, he he's still very easily if you told me that he wins this fight and he gets a matchup with Stipe, I'm not sure I don't pick Kane in the match against Stipe. I mean, I, mm. I truly believe that he might be the best heavyweight in the world right hey, now. Can I uh, who? Cain Velasquez. Uh, can I ask you a question? Sure. Over, under, now no UFC heavyweight champion has ever defended more than twice. If you had to bet your life savings, does Stipe Miocic defend his belt more than twice? No. Yeah, I think that's kind of the... I'd say no. Say. Because I wouldn't you be know shocked, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like Stipe. I'm not going to be shocked if, if Overeem beats him. Right. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, that would line up for me, probably a match against Cain. 
And you're picking Kane. And I'm picking Kane. You know, I really do think he's the best heavyweight in the planet because of his cardio, because of his ground and pound skills, and because he can tag you on the feet. You know, and Travis Brown, I know, is working with Ricky Lindell with all kinds of takedown defense. Uh, He's got his regular team helping him as well. It's just not enough. It's not enough to stop Kane Velasquez is ground and pound machine. Uh, Kane is the minus two eighty as plus as minus or as much as minus three oh five favorite. Uh, Travis Brown you could get at about a plus two fifty dog in most sports books. And while I did tell you at open mat the other night I could see Travis Brown pulling off an upset, please don't mince my words. I could see an upset. I could see it in my mind's eye. But if I had to put money on anything, yes, I agree a thousand percent with everything you said. It's still motherfucking Cain Velasquez at sea level. Um, and uh, Never lost at sea level. No, I, I'm not sure. No. I, I, I could see him just grinding out a win with his wrestling here over three rounds. So I'm actually predicting just a three-round decision for Cain. I, I might say, you know, again, another one of those ones, if the prop is right, TKO for Kane is not out of the question from ground and pound style. I do have to say, before Brock Lesnar brought a freak show aspect to this fight, reminiscing me of my pride fandom um, as a pro wrestler and just sort of the whole circus of it all, um, you know, when I was back on my complaining about UFC 200 tip, I still do feel like some of these fights are stylistically not the best, and I do think we might get a lot of decisions. And I hope that's not the case. I think on that main card... There are at least two fights I would guarantee going to decision. Which two? Uh, Aldo, Edgar, Frankie. Yep. And uh, Jones I mean, Cormier. You, know, you might get a TKO in that one, and Jones Cormier. Uh, this one also has the making of that. Again, you might get a TKO. Because um, it's three rounds. Yeah. Too, yeah. But we'll see. All right. So now that was the pay-per-view uh, that you got to pony up the big bucks for. Uh, the card remains stacked, even on the FS1 prelims. I believe the main event of the FS1 prelims are going to be Katzengano versus Juliana Pena, a very relevant fight at 135 pounds in the uh, women's bantamweight division. Uh, Juliana Pena, of course, I guess you could call her a prospect, really. She came out of the Rousey versus Tate Ultimate Fighter uh, season. She's 3-0 and in the UFC, 7-2 and as a professional overall. Uh, but she's coming off a win over Jessica I via unanimous decision back in October of 2015, uh, beat Milana Duduvia and Jessica Ricosi. Uh, so not the biggest of names on her uh, resume, but we all know Juliana Pena as a tough girl. Unfortunately, she's fighting Katzengano. Katzengano is coming off a loss to Ronda Rousey, uh, the arm bar in 14 seconds, but she was 9-0 and in her career before that in the UFC. She's three, uh, two and one with wins over Amanda Nunes, who's fighting for the title, and Misha Tate, who has the motherfucking title, both with TKOs. Katzengano, very tough girl. And if you can't tell by the inflection in my voice, I'm picking Katzengano in this. Who are you picking, Bobby? Ah, this one is, is a really loaded question for me because Katzengano not only went away for a while, injuries, life stuff, life stuff, stuff like that, yeah. a lot of head game there, too. You know, like a lot of... Do I still want to keep doing this? A lot of, uh, am I really as good as I thought I was? A lot of second-guessing herself after the Rousey fight. A lot of stuff went on before the Rousey fight. You know, Lima is no joke. Um, and, and you know, Pena. I, or Pena, sorry. Not I always Juliana got that. Yeah, Juliana Lima's them. 115. Juliana Pena's 135. Um, 
I, you know, I almost want to pick Pena in this fight just because of the layoff. Well, we, uh, you know, Sisu Mouthguard sponsors us. MMA Dash Manifesto pays you the big bucks. Are you picking her? I, I'll pick. I'll pick Pena in this one wow. just to be different from you. Okay. Um, and you know, you're probably going to get her at three to one or two and a half to one. Um, it's just like a really good time to get her to. Read, read me the odds. Tell me if I was right. Um, you could get Katzengano as a minus one seventy favorite. Oh, you could get one. You could get Pena as a plus one fifty dog. Ah, I was about a hundred off, but so still, Vegas sees it very tight. Yeah, it seems quite a bit more tight than I thought Vegas would see it. But I think reasonably so. The layoff to me is really concerning about Zingano, especially with her when you consider her headspace as well. All right, so Gumby is picking Pena. I am picking Zingano. Um, we move on, and I dub this uh, match Johnny Hendricks versus Johnny Hendricks Light. Uh, <laughs> you have Johnny Hendricks versus Kevin Gastelum. We'll take Hendricks L- Light first. is a tough word to use in this fight. That's true, actually. <laughs> they both had weight-cutting issues. So Hendricks is actually one and two in his last three, if you could believe it. Lost his title to Robbie Lawler, never was able to defend it uh, successfully. That was via decision back in December of 2014. Then he beat Matt Brown uh, via unanimous decision, three-round fight in March of 2015. And then he had some weight-cutting trouble. He was supposed to fight Tyron Woodley uh, back in November of 2015. That didn't happen. Somehow Woodley got a title shot off of a fight that never happened. Don't ask me about that. That's another story for another day. Hendricks came back to fight this guy by the name of Stephen Thompson. Don't know if you've ever heard of him. February of 2016, and he got brutalized. First round TKO. So he is coming off a brutal loss to Stephen Thompson. Obviously wants to get back in title contention. Gastelum, the prospect. Um, I guess we could still call him a prospect, right? He's really young. I think he's still only like 25. He is one and two himself in his last three. Uh, he lost to Tyron Woodley back in January of 2015 via split decision. Uh, beat Nate Markhart via TKO in June of 2015. And he's coming off a split decision loss to Neil Magny, which was a great fight. Um, that was his return to welterweight. Um, the fight against Markhart was at middleweight. What are you thinking here, Gumby? You know, I, I think just when you announced this fight, you said it all. You know, like, I, I could sit here and break it down, but you're right. It's Johnny Hendricks versus somebody who does what Johnny Hendricks does, only not as good as Johnny Hendricks. Right. I mean, both of them, good takedowns. Both of them, good top game. Both of them, once in a while, have shown that they have knockout power. Hendricks has more knockout power. Hendricks has better takedowns. Hendricks has a little bit better ground and pound. So, like, what would in- inspire somebody to take Calvin Gastelum in this and unless you're going with youth or desire or heart, because he does have great heart. I mean, we saw it when he beat Uriah Hall. There's nothing here that inspires me to say, yep, he's better than Johnny Hendricks at that. Because he's just Johnny Hendricks, only a little bit worse in every single place, in my opinion. I, I mean, and he doesn't have the takedowns of Johnny Hendricks. Like, you know what? Here, here's a shocker for you. Neil Magny uh, out he had more takedowns than Kevin Gastelum in their fight, six to two. Yeah, you know. but that, Neil Magny's deceptive as shit. I, no, I, mean, I agree. He's but he's one of those guys who just. I mean, look, look, but Johnny Hendricks in a three round fight against Carlos Condit took him down 12 times Yeah, in a three round fight against Matt Brown. He took him down nine times. Yeah. Enough said just with those two stats. Yeah. This is a fight. I would almost guarantee is a decision and it's Johnny 30, Hendricks. 30, 27, 30, 27, 30, 27, Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks be a top game. Yep. yep. No disagreement there. Uh, let's go to Vegas though. Um, and see what they think. Like actually go to Vegas? Yeah, I wish. Uh, actually, Vegas kind of freaks me out. Like, I have a 24-hour window in Vegas, and then i got to leave. Anyway, oh, yeah. Johnny Hendricks, the minus 160 favorite. Gastelum, a plus 140 dog. 
closer than I think that should yeah, be. Yeah, I'd as still well. be really happy laying some money on Hendricks there. Um, we move on, and this is just so insane. I, again, can't even repeat this enough. This is the UFC 200 card, the Fox Sports 1 portion, the prelims. You get TJ motherfucking Dillashaw, the former bantamweight champion trying to avenge his loss seventh from the top eighth from the top <laughs> eighth from the top against rafael asansao so dillashaw of course coming off a split decision loss to um dominic cruz back in january uh i thought it warranted a immediate rematch but the ufc saw differently and wanted to give that to uriah Faber for the name value uh before that Dillashaw, of course, beat Henan Barrow, uh, where he defended his Bantamweight title, and beat Joe Soto on short notice, defended his Bantamweight title. Going back even further, beat Barrow for the title via TKO in the fifth round back in May of 2014. Since losing to Asansau, Dillashaw is 4-1. and one. He lost to Asansau back in October of 2013 via split decision. Uh, Asansau is coming off a long injury layoff. He last fought against Brian Caraway in October of 2014. That was a unanimous decision win for him. Uh, beat Pedro Munoz, beat TJ Dillashaw, beat Von Lee, Mike Easton, Israeli Tamara, Johnny Eduardo. You have to go back to his UFC debut in 2011 against Eric Koch, uh, which he lost via KO in the first round uh, for his last loss. So this is a man who has not lost in five years. He is uh, six and one in the no, sorry, seven and one in the UFC. Who you got? Uh, I'm going with Dillashaw in this. It's just one of those fights. Again, we're talking rematches. We've talked rematches three times already on this card. Different Dillashaw, too. Different Dillashaw. Completely different Dillashaw. Huge layoff for a Sun Yeah, he had the tools way back then to beat Dillashaw. Dillashaw, I mean, if you look at his footwork in that fight, it's not TJ Dillashaw now. No. TJ Dillashaw is a guy who, on one judge's scorecard, beat Dominic Cruz. I mean, why would I pick a guy coming off two years off? Uh, to me, there's no reason to. A Sun Tzu can't handle that funky footwork. Um, I would pick Dillashaw here. Um, I'm going to go decision, but I definitely think he's just going to use the, the Dominic Cruz playbook. Hey. Stick and move, move around, hit the takedown if you have to. We talked about this in our first episode of Top Turtle MMA, and I encourage the listeners to go back and, and listen to that on the podcast tab of MMA-Manifesto.com. Uh, you know, as the sport has evolved and people are becoming true mixed martial artists, good in all aspects of the game, you know, we get closer and closer decisions and fights, and that's what's so crazy about loading up the card the way they did. You have TJ Dillashaw, the former champion, Rafael Asanso, 7-1 and one in the UFC with a win over TJ Dillashaw, and they're fighting on the prelims in a three-round fight. I mean, no shit it's going to go to decision. These are two highly skilled fighters, and that's why I think there are going to be a lot of decisions on this card. Couldn't agree with you more. Vegas has it as Dillashaw, a minus 400 favorite to Asansau, a plus 300 dog. And I find that rather weird just because Asansau is such a killer. But, hey, I get it. It's a new TJ Dillashaw. He's under the tutelage of Dwayne Bang Ludwig, and uh, he's the former champion. And I fully expect him to get that rematch with Dominic Cruz off this win, although that division has never been more loaded. Um, so now we round out the Fox Sports 1 prelims uh, with a prospect battle. Um, we are going to have a guy by the name of Sage Northcutt uh, facing Enrique Martin. Sage Northcutt, uh, the much-hyped 40 and 40. Do you really 40... think that this is a prelim or a uh, prospect battle? Uh, 
I don't know what to or, call. Are it. you just? It's a squash match. It's a prospect squash match. Well, and yeah, I mean, if we want to get UFC conspiratorial here, I think they're lining up their uh, poster child with an easy win. But they probably thought Brian Barberina was an easy win, and Brian Barberina uh, got the submission over Sage Northcutt. Sage, this is back in January of 2016. In the second round, it was at a welterweight bout. Uh, he Sage blamed the loss on having strep throat, but before that, he beat Cody Fister via guillotine choke and beat Francisco Trevino in his UFC debut via TKO. Uh, and that is the story of Sage Northcutt in the UFC. Hardcore fans hate him. The UFC brass loves him. Enrique Wasabi Martin Marin is going to try to uh, derail the Sage hype train much the same way Brian Barbarino did. He is 0-1 in the UFC with a loss to Eric Montano back in November of 2015 via split decision. What are you thinking here? Squash instantly. Violent TKO almost right out of the gate. I mean, like... Enrique Marin, it, I mean, he came off of one of those those tough Latin America series, which I've gone on record saying produces very little talent. I mean, like, you know, you've gotten a couple out of there. Mowgli Benitez, Cesar Arzamendia. Um, you know, there, there's a couple of them, but but certainly not Enrique Marin would I list in that, that notion. And you're 100% right. They're trying to line him up. I bet you this is negative a thousand. <laughs> it's Sage is a minus three forty favorite. Three forty? I guess they didn't Wait, like bet the farm. Didn't like the submission defense though. He should be higher, right? Uh, yeah. bet, again, bet the farm if he's at three forty. Uh, Enrique Martin uh, Marin uh, plus two sixty four. Nothing about dog. that is tempting. So Gumby is going Sage all day. Sure, what the fuck? I'll go Sage all day. I haven't seen enough of Marin to really know anything, but I would just love it um, just to see him derail the Sage hype train just for shits and gigs. Uh, all right, so now we move to the Fight Pass portion, and you have a lot of big names on a uh, Fight Pass prelim here. The, the UFC 200 is going to kick off with perennial fan favorite Jim Miller versus Takanori Gomi, who I love being that he has a connection to pride fighting championship which i'm a total nerd for but at the same time i don't really need to see gomi anymore way past his prime miller fun fighter also maybe a little past his prime they probably gave him a gift by just giving him this fight uh gomi is one and two in his last three lost to joe lazan via tko lost to Maljuri via tko last got a win in april of 2016 over isaac valley flag jim miller the new jersey native is coming off a loss to diego Sanchez back at UFC 196 lost to Michael Chiesa via rear naked choke before that in December of 2015. You'd have to go back to July of 2015 for his last law, uh, last win when he beat Danny Castillo. Who you got here, Gumby? Jim Miller all day. Um, Same I mean, here. I, I think Jim Miller just is very similar to Joe Lozon in that he's got really good grappling, enough striking to, to hold grappling. over in Takanori Gomi showed so much grappling weakness when he fought Joe Lozon. Lozon took him down and took his back almost instantly and pounded it out from there. Jim Miller is going to do the same, but I'm going to say he's going to finish it too uh, with a with a choke instead of uh, TKO. Yeah, bet bet uh, submission if you can get the prop bet on it. Miller, the minus 240 favorite. Takanori Gomi, the plus 200 dog. Then you have Gegard Mousasi um, will be fighting Tiago Santos. Again, what a big name for Fight Pass prelims. So cool to see. Um, Mousasi, of course, is coming off a win over Talis Leites via unanimous decision in February. Lost to Uriah Hall. He was winning the first round and then lost via flying knee and uh, spin kick. Uh, TKO back in September of 2015. Beat Costas Filopu before that. So he's 2-1 and one in his last three. 
Um, this was supposed to be against Derek Brunson, who got injured. Siantos filling in on short notice. He is on a four-fight win streak in the UFC. Also shares a loss, uh, just like Musasi to Uriah Hall. That happened back in 2014, and he's on a four-fight win streak since that loss to Hall. Beat Andy Enns, beat Steve Bose, beat Elias Theodoro in his lovely hair, and beat Nate Marquardt via KO back in May. Who you got here? I think I'm going with Tiago Santos. Wow. I know he's a huge dog in this. But the TKO power is real, um, and physically he's a lot bigger than Gagard Musasi. Uh, and you know I'm a big Musasi guy. I told you that I think Musasi could easily be a top five guy in that division. Uh, I, I just don't see him getting Santos down, and you don't want to trade with that man. He's a bad man on his feet. I love it. Now, I cannot find any Vegas action. Oh, that's probably because of the change in the fight. Yeah, yeah. so I unfortunately can't. Uh, I think probably when you get a little bit closer to fight time, you guys can look for those odds, and I'm betting he's probably a, at least a 2-1 to one underdog here. You can probably get him at plus 250. All right, and now we bring it home, Gumby, and we wrap up the show on two of the all-time fan favorites in the UFC. Uh, the main event, if you will, of UFC Fight Pass, you have Tough One alumni Diego the Nightmare Sanchez fighting Joe motherfucking Lausanne. Oh, God, I forgot uh, this is happening. Uh, in, in pro wrestling, you'd say you mark out. You, you're going to mark out over this fight because if you're a UFC fan over the last decade, you have to like Diego Sanchez and Joe Lozon, or at least one of them. Sanchez is coming off a win over Jim Miller via unanimous decision. Lost to Ricardo Lamas uh, at featherweight in November of 2015 via unanimous decision. And he beat Ross Pearson via split decision in June of 2014. So Diego is 2-1 in his last three, but his best days are behind him. This is just a fun fight for the fans, let's face it. I'd love to see him actually retire after this. Ditto goes for Lozon. Nothing left to prove. Neither of these guys are going to challenge for a title. Uh, Lozon coming off a unanimous decision loss to Evan Dunham. He beat Takanori Gomi via TKO back in July of 2015 and lost to Ally Aquinta via TKO. So you kind of see it here with Lozon. He's capable of beating uh, kind of the senior circuit, but when he goes against someone like an Ally Aquinta or a Michael Johnson, um, you know, he's probably not going to come out. On the winning end of that, he's one and two in his last three. Who you got here, Gumby? Isn't isn't the joke I'm supposed to make here Diego Sanchez by split decision? Sure. <laughs> uh, it seemed like he was getting like 45 split decision wins in a row back, way back when. You're correct. Yeah. Beat Takanori Gomi via split decision. Beat Ross Pearson. Beat Ross Pearson via split decision. Um, yeah. And, and a couple of those, too, if I remember right, he, he did not deserve even in the slightest. Yeah, the Pearson the one. The Pearson one yeah. was the one that, yeah, I remember being painful. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm picking this one with my heart or not, but I'm going to go with Joe Lozon. Me, too. I'm a huge Joe Lozon fan. Me, too. Um, I think he was one of the first guys I watched, and I was like, man, I love watching that guy. His fight with the... Uh, with Kenny Florian, even though he lost it, made me a fan for life. I love his fight against Jim Miller, too. Ah, yeah. So many good ones in there. I mean, he's just like... He, you were right. He's the he's a fan's fighter uh, through and through. Um, I think if I had to draw a path to victory here, I wouldn't say it's uncharacteristic to think he could get Diego Sanchez down. And I mean, he's far superior on the mat. His stand up is enough. I mean, he Sanchez tag- is tough to finish. Though, yeah, yeah I, well, I agree with that. He, he is tough to finish. So I mean, Lozon is going to have to get him down if he's actually finish him. Sanchez has never been finished via sub, and he only has one knockout loss in his career. Yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. You, do you know who the knockout was? Uh, I'll find out right now. Let's put the intern on it. How do I know? Oh, uh, BJ Penn. 
Of course. Oh, right, Back right, in right. December of 2009. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was not a... He didn't get knocked out. That was cut, right? It was a TK... Oh, yeah, you're right. It was a doctor stoppage. Yep. So a, he's really never been finished. Yeah. And Lozon is not going to finish him via uh, his TK. fist. No. But, yeah. You know, it would be... Again, I, I know maybe the theme of the day was prop bets, but prop bet, you get Joe Lozon on a sub... He could be the first. He could be the first. But very exciting fight. Don't really care who wins. I guess I'm I'm picking Lozon with my heart. I guess I like him a little better. But, I mean, I love Diego, too. But, again, I think both these guys' time has come and gone. Um, no more need to take any more brain damage or anything like that. Um, you know, and I think Lozon is very much lined up. He's a UFC favorite. He's going to get, like, an office job. He's a former. Well, and he's got his own gym, too. Yeah, Lozon MMA. So there you go. That rounds out UFC 200. What a fucking breakdown, Gumby. What a fucking fight week. What a fucking fight card. I and need a, to stop our, cursing. Our, our 26th show, too. Uh, I do believe this is our half-year anniversary. Oh, happy half-year anniversary. <laughs> I can't believe we made it this far. All right. Well, we thank you so much for listening. We would not be able to do it if you guys didn't listen. Um, although, it'd be kind of funny if me and you just did this for ourselves. <laughs> thank God of... there's somebody out there in the download button, or be else kind... this would get weird. It'd be kind of sad. Um, but again, thank you so much. Enjoy UFC 200. We'll be back next week, uh, episode 27 at that point. Yep. And we have a uh, very fun interview in the can with a MMA legend. I will leave it at that. This has been David Tremonti, joined by Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy UFC 200.